Hey, Power People. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. Hey, Power People, and welcome back to Renewable Rides. It's a beautiful, sunny day outside, and I'm excited to be joined by Dan and James Coombs, our in-house podcast finance expert. James has over 30 years experience financing energy systems, and I'm super excited to expand our discussions beyond the past two episodes where we covered, I'm a business owner, or I run an organization that maybe is a non-for-profit. I'm super excited about an energy system and the opportunity it brings in terms of me being able to save money, add operational resilience, or reduce my emissions, or all three. And on previous episodes, we talked about I've got a tax burden or someone else wants to take advantage of that tax burden, and I can use it to uh, really help finance the system. Secondly, we talked about PPAs and leasing. So this was someone else owning the asset and ourselves just taking a hedged position on our energy costs and being able to lock in energy costs at 10 to 30% or even more or less than what we pay today over a longer term period. And today, James is going to talk to us about us owning the asset, but taking out a debt vehicle to do so. So James, we'd love to learn more about what debt financing is and uh, pace financing as well. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Debt is, on the one hand, the sort of simplest uh, financing structure that businesses, nonprofits, individuals have familiarity with, typically in a mortgage context. So we'll talk about how these debt structures differ from that. I would actually highlight and should always highlight that I think the most common way that commercial solar is financed is the one that's almost so obvious we don't talk about it, which is customers will say they're self-financing or paying cash, but the reality is they have capital perhaps from an equity line or a mortgage or whatever else. So it's their own capital source with their own bank. And the merit of that is you're going to get you know, relatively long-term money at a very attractive rate, particularly if you're in the multifamily sector and you're getting FHA subsidized rates at longer terms. But kind of pivoting from that to talk about, let's break it out as perhaps secured lending, which is essentially PACE or property assessed financing. That dive can go as deep as we want it to, but uh, we'll keep it kind of limited. And then unsecured lending, meaning that there's not a lien on the property associated with it. And then we'll also touch on what capital leasing means in this context. Capital leasing, as distinguished from the tax lease or operating lease that we talked about in the last session, where the lessor owns the system and monetizes the tax credit. When we talk about ownership of the system, I want to highlight the system whether you use a third-party ownership structure, like a PPA or a tax lease, or a direct ownership structure that you finance with a loan, 
the system is installed and will produce power and that power will offset your electric bill the same way. The concept of ownership is a financing and tax driven concept, which is what's the most efficient way for you, the customer, to get benefit from the tax credit, okay? So the background that you need to to understand that is the way the tax credit legislation is written, the owner of the system gets the tax credit. So we can either do a structure where the investor owns the system, takes the tax credit, and reduces the financing costs that you have on an ongoing basis, or we can have a structure where you, the customer, own the system, and you finance it with a debt structure, so an unsecured or a secured loan or your own mortgage, and you're responsible for monetizing, absorbing the the value of the tax credit. So that's the differentiation between the last session and this session is we'll talk about those, as you say, ownership-based structures where it's more pure debt, taking out some form of long-term loan to pay for the system. And James, in terms of that, the debt structure, are there energy-specific debt organizations that companies should be turning to? Or is it as simple as just going to your existing bank and seeing what their current rates are and asking them for the amount of the system? Yeah, it's a continuum, which is an easy easy way of saying that yes, possibly, uh, or no. So in this environment, going to your mortgage lender, you know, often involves a reset on where you may have a historic rate that's gone up if you were to redo it or to add on to it in this current market. But potentially, of course, you can do that. But also for a customer that views this as a sort of relatively one-off financing, there's a lot of reasons you may not want to or be able to do it with your existing uh, senior lender or mortgage lender. So we'll focus on those. And as always, this is intended to give a customer that kind of understanding so they can decide whether they should be talking to their bank or if not, because let's put one thing out on the table. The rates for unsecured lending and we'll call PACE, PACE lending, we'll call it secured, but the rates for PACE and for unsecured lending are going to be higher than your commercial mortgage rates. Now, if you compare that to current rates, Maybe that's a difference of 100 basis points or 200 basis points or wherever it is. But if you compare it to your historic rates, if you put your mortgage in place more than two years ago, there's going to be a vast difference there. As we're talking, the Treasury at some point has hit above 5% on the 10-year for the first time in quite a long time. So this is fall 2023, not fall 2021. But then what do you get and what's the difference driving those higher rates? It comes down to some of the structure and the and the underwriting. So I think the simplest to talk about is an unsecured loan. This is also a product that many banks will offer directly, although highly underwritten. We also have some external you know, non-bank sources. They'll, underwriting is always going to rely for all these products, the tax products and these debt products on multiple years of financial statements and property ownership. And then from there, you know, part of the trade-off is you don't have the extra lien on your property. You typically have very few or basically no covenants that go along with that. So the lender has a different level of, and they're going long-term, often out to 20 years. So the lender has a different level of risk which is reflected in why you might have a rate with a nine handle on a long-term unsecured loan versus a a six handle or maybe even a seven handle on a commercial commercial mortgage. And then I'll pause before pivoting to pace, but the interest rate order of magnitude is going to be sort of the same. 
Nice. And so when I go to a bank and take out essentially a, a loan or a debt vehicle, I'm not having to show them here's how the system is going to perform and here's the benefits of it. They they really just are providing you with the monies that you're asking for. And it's up to you to have done the, the due diligence around the benefits to you as the, the business owner. Is that right? So actually, in my experience, a lot of banks, when customers go to them for solar specific loans, as opposed to just a general recap of the property, actually will ask those questions. We have a project we list on our site where the customer was, this is a great because it hits on a number of topics. A customer was in ESOP, an employee stock ownership program, which we're generally going to deem as not a federal taxpayer, and at least they deemed it. And so they needed us as the investor to monetize and absorb the tax credit for them. But their bank happened to be River City Bank said they were very interested in providing capital to finance the system. So we did a neat bifurcated structure where we wrote a PPA for half of it. And we did a tax credit structure called a prepaid PPA for the other half. And the customer borrowed from River City and the River City folks asked a lot of questions. And that was years ago. And they're known as a lender in the renewable space. And so I think a lot of customers like that, like our friends at Rabo and some other banks will ask questions about the solar when it's being done as a standalone, as opposed to a rolled in financing with a general property refinancing. Okay. The other key structure I wanted to touch on was PACE which stands for Property Assessed Capital Expenditures or Property Assessed Clean Energy. In my view, this is this has historically been used for a lot of standalone solar projects or solar plus roofing and energy storage projects. Going forward, I think this will be less of a solar standalone product, but off, more often rolled in with other aspects of building finance, whether new construction or rehab. But it's certainly out there as a known structure. And so I'll just highlight that property assessed financing is based on a a special tax lien on the property. So a form of a lien, but different from a mortgage lien and enables the customer to draw on long-term sources of capital. Again, it's still going to be a highly underwritten product. There was a misconception out there, which for a while on certain projects was true, but Projects were underwritten only based on property value. It was just an LTV equation and that was it. So I need to highlight that that's not the case. PACE is not a freebie that doesn't require financials or doesn't look at debt service coverages. It absolutely does, particularly in this interest rate and credit environment. It's absolutely an underwritten product, but it does have a specific use on certain types of customers and specifically when it's being wrapped with HVAC or roofing or even general building construction or rehab. And we've certainly done a lot of projects like that. It's more of a mezzanine finance tool for commercial real estate. And I would just say customers should know about it if only to kind of understand, hey, is there any scenario where this would be applicable and where you may have non-solar items you're looking to cover? But having done a lot of those in the past, you know, it's a great solution. It's just, I'll say, because of the nature of the special tax lien, it requires a lot more discussion. And in California and in most states requires express written permission from the customer's existing mortgage lender or senior lender in order to implement it, which can also effectively for a one-off solar implementation be a hurdle to getting a deal done. It's 
more of a whole kind of capital stack type of product. Got it. Got it. So James, let's say I'm, a, I'm an owner of a manufacturing firm or a food and beverage company or a logistics company. And I, I want to, but I want to own this system. I want to use a, a debt vehicle to own this system. Does that mean that I have to then have the, the expertise in house to operate and maintain this system? I, I, do I have to pull from my facilities team to make sure that this thing is running or other, other solutions for me to not have to worry about that? Yeah. So, I mean, look, we're all in the industry, so we neither want to overstate the level of ongoing operations and maintenance that a standalone fixed till PV system requires, you know, nor do we want to dismiss the long-term performance factors that can that can impact that. So, for example, the common ones are the level of we call it soiling, how dirty a system is going to get depending on where you are. Uh, and two, inverter performance, whether it's just end of life because the inverters have a shorter warranty or just inverter issues that can come up. So typically, and this is where I can't stress strongly enough, working with, so this is what Vecta specifically does and can advise on. And then also the contractor who you're truly partnering with to build your project and who will warranty in addition to the module warranties and the hardware warranties, the system itself, and whose ultimate, you know, reputation is part of the customer's satisfaction with the system. Those are the biggest steps. Put aside anything else contractual or anything else with hiring people to run your system, just selecting good people to work with as with any home rehab, you know, project is going to get, is going to troubleshoot so many of those future issues. Experienced partners who have done this and have a reputation and can show you their track record. And you should always ask, as I said, at the end of the last episode, ask questions of the finance partners, but also ask questions of the contractors. That'll troubleshoot a lot of it. Now to answer that question, then once you had a system in place, there are layers of service you can hire people to do anything from just watching the, washing the system to periodic servicing of it. And then for some larger systems, at least, there are ongoing kind of service providers that'll even wrap in some level of performance guarantee with the system. And that hasn't always been a thing and a product, but uh, that's why I say there are folks like Omnidian now that on a lot of systems under loans or lease or cash purchase, we can you know, bring them in to provide that added layer of guarantee. I recommend nonetheless, as you guys probably do, everybody these days, there's no reason you can't be monitoring your system on your phone and see what it's doing. And that level of attention can also allow you to just kind of preemptively, hey, troubleshoot, something was happening. Great. It made it easy for your contractor, even if it wasn't a warranty fix, to come out and give you advice on something. Or and this is a big one. I mean, a lot of folks do have other people touching the facilities and it is possible, you know, you do need to keep generally a secure roof area. If you're doing a ground mount system, always recommends fencing around that because things will happen to systems. And just the sooner, whether it's you or an outsourced provider is noticing those things, the more easily you can both fix the problem, but also, you know, fix access to the, the system if needed. Yeah, we wholeheartedly agree in that. And in fact, we offer a monitoring 
solution to ensure that our customers can both monitor it themselves, even if they are having a, a operations and maintenance company take care of it. But the big takeaway there is that even if I own the system, the good news is, is I don't actually have to have that uh, kind of power system expertise in-house that I can hire someone else that they'll, they'll take care of that for me. Yes, both on the front end and on an ongoing basis. Good contractors, good vendors, and good project advisors on the front end. And then, yeah, they'll likely want to handle some of the ongoing service. Look, 10 years from now, you're going to just want to, you'll, you'll have an existing universe of solar folks. You can come out and fix things. It's that stuff that happens in the first two years is really going to determine, hey, was there any problems from initial construction that you just want to make sure you, you know, you remedied and your contractor will cover, cover those fixes. This has been really interesting, James. I think the one question that's on my mind to maybe wrap us up is, you know, maybe I've deployed solar today and two years from now, I'm, I'm seeing huge benefits, but I'm also super excited about what batteries are doing in the market. And I want to add a battery to the system. Is it, is it common for people to be able to roll that back into an existing contracting mechanism? Or should that be a conversation that you're having with whatever finance entity you're working with up front to say, I'm interested in expanding this with time and I'd like to have you know, the mechanism to do so? What's your advice there? Yeah. So any upgrades you're going to do are going to be separate, separate financings. And it's why I would say you can both do that, but there are going to be a number of factors that might, you know, limit that. So I'd say first, a good solar project today that stands on its own should be pursued on its own. If you guys as an advisor are, you know, see a realistic storage solution, it's good to consider that all up front because it will be far more straightforward to integrate it all at once than to go back and add it. And that's not just from a financing standpoint. There may even be a, issues with the net metering agreements or other things that may limit ability to do that. And certainly, if you have a system under a PPA, you know, as part of them owning and operating the system, there are going to be, you know, severe limitations on the ability to do anything with the system that they've already got operational and, you know, financed. So I just say the storage conversation should be considered up front, pursued if economic and understood. But if the solar stands on its own, then typically I just say, I mean, at least from our perspective would be finance the solar on its own. And then if and when energy is, is viable, come back to it, but don't expect that it would be under the same financing vehicle. It would likely need to be separately financed. Okay. Got it. Good. Any other questions from you, Dan? No, I think this has been a tremendously useful session. I know that this is a common question that we receive is what are the commercial structures? I think a lot of the, the companies that we work with are, have uh, suppliers approaching them constantly with different vehicles and it's hard for them to make sense of, well, what's best for me? How do I think about it? So starting to highlight some of the things that they need to be thinking about is incredibly helpful and uh, it's always great that, uh, you know, we have professionals like James in our, in our network to, to tap on when we, when these questions come up beyond, uh, maybe some surface level discussion. But I think the, the key here is there's a lot of key considerations that can be made up front that will save a lot of headache on the back end when, when evaluating proposals and considering different solutions. And, and if you really nail that down on the front end before engaging with, with suppliers in the market, 
then you can make a concerted ask to the market and get a handful of proposals that are within the structure that you want, have an apples to apples comparison, and, and then you're really making a decision on who's the right partner for me to move forward with and ultimately reap the benefits of these systems long term. So, James, any closing thoughts? That's why I like working with you guys is there's a lot of front end questions to ask. And while we always welcome those those conversations, we're going to be asking the questions. And, uh, you know, having had a good advisor, I appreciate the work that you guys do at Vecta on the front end. It just ensures that every aspect, including the financing, is going to be that much more streamlined when you get to it. So thank you guys for having me on. And, you know, I think it goes without saying Part of the objective of this is to at least trigger the questions and create the awareness without necessarily answering every little detail. So let's always, you know, have folks reach out and talk to us if this triggered more questions than it uh, than it resolved. Absolutely, and we'll get you back on future episodes when we when we get the that rain of questions coming in. We should do some case studies together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Let's line it up. All right. Appreciate you, James. Next time, case studies, I think uh, getting some real tangible examples for people to wrap their heads around would be fascinating. Um, so thank you all for listening. Thank you, guys. Catch you soon. Take care, James. Thank you. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks and success stories, we created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers and have a good one.